Welcome to the Power of podcast series. In our collection, we dive into critical, thought-provoking and contemporary content to stimulate debate and dialogue, all with the aim of driving gender equality in global health. I'm Joanna Riha, a research fellow within the Gender and Health Hub at the United Nations University International Institute for Global Health, based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I'm back with the next episode in this mini-series focusing on feminist leadership. Today we're going to continue hearing from Simone Hill, a lesbian and bisexual leader from Belize who founded the NGO PETAL, which stands for Promoting Empowerment Through Awareness for Lesbian and Bisexual Women. So Simone joined us in the previous episode where she began telling us about the beginnings of her leadership journey what drove her to start Petal, and how the organization has grown over the years, and what her leadership looks like in practice. A leadership style, I think, that's very inclusive, focused on wellness of those working in the organization, and really never losing sight and being grounded in the day-to-day -day realities and needs of lesbian and bisexual women in the country. In this episode, Simone will tell us more about the work they've managed to do and the challenges Petal has faced, and she'll also share how she's evolved as a leader and individual. So welcome back, Simone. I wanted to ask, could you begin by telling us what are some of the challenges of working to advance the rights of lesbian and bisexual women in Belize? And how has Patel continued to work to overcome them? Before we had launched, I had done an interview in 2011 because Unibam was moving to challenge the sodomy laws of Belize. And they had interviewed me and I spoke about myself and I came out. I thought I was an open lesbian in Belize, but you're not open until you go on national television and then you are open. I got a lot of flack. People started discriminating against me. I was even beat up by my neighbors over all of that. I lived in a hostile environment I was thrown out, uh, me and my partner and our children were thrown out of two different houses because of me being an, a lesbian. But then I moved to my family house and that is where we reside right until now. That was from 2014 and so we reside now. So when I went to Geneva to present on the LGBT coalition at the Universal Periodic Review, when I was there and I started talking about the plight of LGBT persons in Belize, I was very emotional. I had broken down because then it dawned on me that all these things I'm talking about was happening to me. And it's because we are resilient. We have to get up. We have to go to work. We have to live. And so you're not processing what is happening and the many discrimination that occurs. And even today, People don't, because you're just moving in life, trying to survive, there's so much discrimination. And getting women, especially LB women, to know about their rights and all the fundamental rights and freedoms that are enshrined in the Constitution, there's a lot of work that we have done over the years since 2011. And I could have spoken to women since I went to do the paralegal course, I went to school, 
I could have talked about the Constitution and no more I can talk about it since I am more educated on it. And now we are contending in this era with the regression of women on a whole, all that have been strived for in Belize, the domestic violence that had been introduced years ago, and even that needs to be strengthened, and strengthened where the language has to be inclusive of LGBT persons, or specifically LB women. And violence is not only, now you're looking at the violence of intimate partner violence with same-sex relationship, what I had looked at those years ago in December of 2012. And now those are coming in the sphere of where, a national sphere in where the media, where partners are reporting their partners that they are violating them. And some partners are very fearful of their partners and they cannot get the protection through the Domestic Violence Act. They cannot go to the family court for a restraining order or a protection order or any of that as an emergency. We have to go through the criminal code as it being an aggravated assault or things like that. And it's the way there has been women who have come to Petal and they need the assistance, but there isn't anything that we can do as such because that's how the law is set up. And it is to get the actors as such, the legislators, to try and do the reform. It's an uphill battle with the churches, evangelical churches, especially being more vocal, and it's all across the world. So it's not unique to Belize. We saw what happened in Uganda recently. And so it's very sad, the regression that is happening, all the things that it's always that putting one foot forward and stepping 10 paces backwards. And now with the churches on the attack with LGBT persons across the world, it's not an easy place to live. And and not even LGBT, women on a whole, women and girls, you know, so it's a daunting work. It can become frustrating. You try not to go to your bed with it because you need that wellness. You cannot have the work on your mind. The people who are pushing the agenda with the churches, they sleep good at night because they have the power and they are perpetrating gender-based violence because they have the power and the power is the money. Money is what makes anything goes around. And especially if you already have a person that's discriminating, a man who is leading a country that is patriarchal, and then he likes money also, it's a good combination and it makes great for the churches to continue their assault on women and girls. And it's even women within the church who have been socialized. And it's a sad thing. As I get older, I find it very sad. And nothing telling these people that Jesus did not come around because they only use Jesus. It's not that they truly are concerned with his teaching. They have one agenda and their agenda is to destroy anything that women have control over themselves, they come to destroy that. And because we as women are were socialized a certain way, women who are leading the charge are just thinking about themselves. As I am sitting here telling you this, I went to a workshop in Barbados last year, a high-level women's workshop, women in 
who are in leadership, especially political leadership role, there I realized that not because you're a woman, you have woman issues or women issues on your agenda. They don't have gender, or like we would say in Creole in the Caribbean, they do not have gender on their agenda. You understand? And so it was an eye-opener for me that not because that person is a woman, they come with woman issues. Even if they were violated by a man with domestic or intimate partner violence, perhaps they internalize it in a way that they now see, oh, I dealt with it, I was strong, why can't you? And so it comes out in a negative way, a negative connotation when it shouldn't. So these women have been traumatized. We look at them, but these people need wellness. These people need care and therapy and things that they didn't get. And they really need to come to a place of recognition that they can empathize on us. So it's an uphill battle. Petal has one thing that we started off with. I believe it was God sent in the early inception women would, once we did the domestic, the same-sex domestic violence conversation, women were coming up to me and wanting to tell me their stories or their stress, and I wasn't the person. Because maybe I would be judgmental. I didn't want them to come and tell me. So I said, we should look for someone who is specialized, I guess, educated in that field, and a woman came to Belize, Kiana Brindle. She was out of New York and she came and she wanted to work with an organization, an LGBT plus organization, because that was what she was doing in New York. She was a mental health therapist. And so we got her. But hear what, Joanna? We always think that people know about things. And when we were happy, we have a mental health therapist. Like people were like, I'm not crazy. (laughs) So people took it in a negative way. And so what did we have to do at Petal? We had to do an education around this, an education session, an education campaign across the country around this. And so little by little, slowly people started it. And then we had someone who had went away to study this very thing and returned to Belize. And so now, even though Miss Brindle had went back to America, we have someone else. And now people have bought into it. And then when we were getting people to buy into it, then funding came for exactly that thing. And so everybody, other organizations were getting it also. But we were doing it. And like I said, we thought that it was a good thing and people didn't see that. Because people were always ready to just tell everybody their business. And then that's hard on you also. You know, it's not good for you. So we got professional, we have a professional person even to now, and everybody benefits, whether you're a paid-up member of Petal or just someone who have heard a woman and needs assistance, we would do it and things like that. And it's free, of course. Even though the organization does not get funding for it, we still continue with it. And the person, even because when we do have funding, they benefit and get the money. We have made an agreement that when we do not have money, that she will do it voluntarily, Miss Longsworth. So she does it voluntarily 
even when we do not have funding, since she's the first person that they, once we get the funding, she would benefit from it. So there's a lot of work that we do. And another one that I am happy about, Astrea, this lesbian foundation had given us a three-year grant where it allowed, because you know, Joanna, when people come, they have all sorts of needs. And another one is that women are getting taken advantage of, especially lesbian and bisexual women, and they might need a lawyer and they cannot afford it. We cannot afford it. So we got a three-year funding to help women. We had a have a legal review this. We still have it, even though we do not, I don't think we have the funding right now or it's on its way out. It's in the last of it, but we still try to maintain it. And me, as the community paralegal for the organization, I still maintain the, even while away doing studies, I still maintain the legal review days. It's a sift out how you can help them. While I'm in Belize, I'm talking about accompanying the woman to the police department to give a statement or something, because there was this one, I got a clip in that, there was a woman who identifies as a lesbian, came on television to talk about her neighbor, um, the advantage they're taking of her, assaulting her, and things like that. And she came to cry out on television because now people are using the media as soon as they are not getting any assistance. And then Miss Stalbert, the president of Petal, called the media. I had told her, hey, we know the media, we know this person, call this person. And she chastised them because she told them that they know about us. Why would they not tell the person about us? You know, and so after she had chastised them, they gave her the number of the young woman and she got in touch with the young woman. And that's how the organization was able to, through the legal review this, had her get the lawyer that we have retained and the lawyer went with her to make the report because the police were not taking her report. They were ridiculing her. And so then Miss Talbert had told the media that they just sensationalized things. And after we had helped the woman, why have they not had a follow-up story to it? And so they did a follow-up story where they even interviewed Miss Talbert, the president of our organization, Petal. So there has been a lot of work and we try to keep on the ground. The young woman had never heard of Petal. And that goes back to what I've told you, that you can do things all the time and think that people know about the organization. We try to have activities like the conversation one time for the month. And she has been coming to activities. In fact, because there's not a gay man organization as such that does programmatic work, we get a lot of men. So we don't just do conversations we also do personal and professional development training. And so that we would invite the wider LGBT community, but conversations are just for women, especially lesbian and bisexual women. And once and where we are housed right now is we are in this space for two years now, and it's called Petals House. We don't call it an office. It's set up like a house. That's where we operate from and we do our activities in our backyard and things like that. We recently had one of our elders passed away. She was heavily involved in political life, campaigning for politicians. And one day, her area representative, who she would campaign for, 
had come to her yard and asked her if she would come. The election season is coming up, if she is going to come back to campaign. And she said, no, I am not happy with you all. And I have found my family. There is only one organization that I will campaign for, do anything. And that is my organization. I found my people. That is Petal. So she was in charge of our fundraising team. Unfortunately, she passed away. But it also shows that we have a director for elder. But since I'm back home now for the holidays, I will be looking into things for elders more because you see the need where prior to our member's death, she had a stroke, a major stroke. So we were through our liaison, our collaboration, our partnership with like HelpAge and National Council for the Aging, we were getting assistance. And so we realized that even myself, I am getting up there in age and we have to take a more, we have to be more mindful of it and work on that more. We have to also look at what can happen. I'm a masculine presenting woman. What when, if I don't have a partner, or if my family don't want to respect that how I dress and they start dressing me how they want as I age and cannot help myself. And to speak, I am going to talk about, have conversation on the aging and our children. I have a conversation coming up in July because each board member must do a conversation. And I, as I'm talking to you, the idea is coming and that I really want to do it on aging and encourage older members to bring their children and even younger members to bring their children so that we can talk about that. I myself need to speak to my daughters about that, about the respect that I would like to see as I age um, in terms of myself. Simone, I'm so struck by your constant reflexivity, which really stands out to me as something that has been invaluable to Petal. You've been so mindful of growing yourself as well as understanding the changing needs of those around you. What is the current context and environment? Is that environment becoming more oppressive or not? How should Petal respond? And as an organization, what more could you do? How do you need to change? As well as looking at it from a very individual perspective in terms of how could you better yourself and better those around you? I'm very much in awe and I do hope this podcast can do some justice to your journey and the incredible work you've been doing. One thing, Simone, during the previous episode, you had mentioned that you'd done a paralegal course and you're now studying law in Barbados. And I wanted to wrap up by asking you to tell us a little bit more about this evolution of yourself as a leader, taking a step back from your leadership role at Petal and sort of handing over the reins to focus more on growing yourself in law. So yeah, it would be fantastic if you could tell us a bit more. Starting the organization, Petal, I realized that I wasn't versed in the laws, even though people believe because I spoke so well in their mind that I was versed in laws of beliefs, and I realized I wasn't. I just knew myths, and when I went to, I said I must go back to school because if I'm going to be leading women, I need to know the laws because it's always the law that will come up as Petal was to 
teach women about the laws, about how it affects her, how it doesn't affect them, and why they must be a part of and learn things through the organization, be able to stand up or address their causes or their issues. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to school. And I told my partner that I am going to school if she can help me with some of the day-to-day work at Petal, which was mainly liaising with the membership or women. And we had a grant and to do some of the work of the reporting and things like that. And I just went up and went to school. And by my trade is that I'm a tour guide and I was also doing guiding. So it was a heavy load going to school, but I wanted to do it. And I went and it was great being back in school after 27 years. And hearing about the introduction to law was wonderful. And there were many myths. I realized that it was myths that I knew. And, you know, being in that setting, that formal setting was so good. But in my second year of school, the load, I couldn't take it. There was more demand at Petal for me. And then I was struggling with my guiding work because I was trying to get them to send me with shorter tours and I wasn't getting that. And then I had to really seek the help of the higher up. So I was, you know, battling with that and I wanted to stop. I was like, I cannot take this. And my partner said, no, you know, you were the one who wanted this and you must go and you must continue. I get emotional when I think about it because... It is something that no one asked me to, but it is needed and I don't even have the support even now. So I went and I just continued with, you know, my partner saying that I started it and I cannot give up. And so I went and I finished just before COVID in 2019 and I was able to do the whole thing. My mom was so proud of me and she doesn't leave her house much, but she came And it was so gratifying, fulfilling. And when I crossed that finishing line, I could imagine those runners because it is you put in your all. And I was proud of myself. I am first time admitting this, that I was proud of myself. And then that was in 2019 and 2021, a woman had told me that, I should go to law school, which my teachers were always telling me, but I didn't want it to go. Like starting Petal. And it was, boy, was it a work when I started Petal. I knew it would have been, and because there was no one to do it, I did it. And it was work. And the same like going to school. And then I applied to the University of the West Indies Cave Hill Campus in Barbados. And they were the first. I applied to other universities, but they were the first to answer. And I got my answer very quickly. And then I went, even though the funding didn't come through like I thought it was, I went and we did it first year online. And I was like, wow, this is different. If I thought that paralegal school was something, men. And then we had to go to Barbados last August, the organization assisted in me getting there. And I lobbied through the Minister of Human Development for a scholarship. They gave me a scholarship. It wasn't the full thing, but the organization assisted. I'm telling you, 
it's no easy road. And especially at my age, it's not like when you're young and vibrant and energetic. And my mom, I cried many days to my partner and I can't, I can't. I tell them, I don't know. I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, but you wanted to do it. I said, but I can take it back. I, I don't want to do it. It was hard. When we did the first term, first semester examination, it wasn't easy. And then when I got my results, oh my goodness, I was happy. <laughs> you would have thought that it was graduation time. And then I went into the second semester and it's so caseload heavy. It's like one topic has a hundred cases. And I tried not to say anything to anyone, but it was so hard. And I say that because it is, it is, it is. Perhaps it will get better in third year, but the lecturers, everybody knows that even the lecturers let you know the second year is the hardest year at law school. And that's just doing the LLB. Once I'm finished with the LLB, it's the goal to do two years because I really want to be able to litigate, to be able to take women and children's concern to the court and be able to litigate about it. And I'm not saying this for anyone to feel sorry for me. I'm just expressing what I am going through. And when people tell me, Simone, you got this, I don't got it because I am there in my apartment and it's very hard. It's me and God because it's hard. And I took on something that nobody asked me to. But people are already out there saying, yeah, we have a lawyer. And I'm like, imagine these people. But I want to complete it all. And I know that there's a lot of people riding on me who have good intentions and would like to see it because it seemed like I will be a first with everything that in terms of women with the LGBT community, especially because when I was asking for the scholarship, I was asked, will you be the first open lesbian to do this thing and you want to do it for who? I am for women and children because women always come with their children and I want to do it for them. That has always been my goal from I was a child. I never realized it. And I think that was through my mother because for some reason I believe that my mother was being victimized by my father. So my mother told me when I told her it now that I am older, she said, no, she was never victimized as such by my father. He just spent too much time away from home. And so she would always be sitting and she wished that he would be home, even though they separated. It was because he, if you want to talk about it, was that he was not home a lot often. So that was it. And so I had this thing in my head that my father victimized my mother. But my mother supported me a lot because I was the person that she wanted to be. or She believed that she should have been free and carefree. Today, though, I am not as carefree as I used to be because I realized that life is so, so serious. But it took me maybe until I was 40 to realize that. It's been a tremendous pleasure to speak with Simone over the course of the last two episodes. If you haven't yet listened to part one, please do take the time to hear the first half of the conversation. In the next two episodes, we're continuing on the theme of feminist leadership beyond the sex and gender binary. 
I'll be talking with Kobe Smith, a young Guyanese male leader who really strives to lead based on feminist principles and values. You definitely don't want to miss those conversations. So do visit the Gender and Health Hub website, where you can also find Srilata Batliwala's think piece on transformative feminist leadership. The Gender and Health Hub website is www.genderhealthhub.org, or you can visit the UNU IIGH website, which is www.iigh.unu.edu. You can also find us on Twitter at UNU underscore IIGH, or the Gender and Health Hub Twitter handle, which is at Gender Health Hub. You can also send us your feedback and suggestions via email. The email address is iigh-info at unu.edu. Thanks so much once again for listening. This is a podcast recording by the United Nations University International Institute for Global Health. The views expressed are those of the speakers only.